Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to season two of Kith and Tell. The launch of this new season signals a time of renewal, a time to reacquaint ourselves with one another after our various sojourns, and time to bury all the people we've killed since the end of season one. <laughs> As the saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, we may be profoundly broken people, but our episode format isn't. So oh, we'll yeah. be continuing this season by reviewing every episode of The Kids in the Hall with intensely personal insults and unmissable <laughs> segments like <laughs> sex on TV. And what was the joke there? <laughs> Today I'm joined by Kalina McCortoff. Today in Vancouver, North Whoa. England. Hi, Kalina. Yeah. Hello, I've literally just flown in and I am extremely jet lagged, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. We always do. Uh, <laughs> also joining us in Vancouver, some of them in the same room, we have our uh, Stu Derek Kotick and Trevor Record. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello, podcast comrades. Excellent. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, today we'll be reviewing episode one of season two, which aired September 25th, 1990. So let's kick off with our sketch rundown, shall we? We've got Spring, a sketch about spring in all its wholesome glory. The friendly couples where the value of intimate friendships is on full display. Trucker businessman. Kevin's a hard-nosed trucker who knows how the game is played. Paranoid undercover alien, where Dave is an alien whose cover and planet keep getting blown. Bim Bam Baby, a Shim Shim Rim Ram song. Played I was solid. waiting for it the whole time. <laughs> it's a, uh, a Shim Sham Rim Ram song plays while the best looking man in the world walks around town. Amazing. Oh, yes. Uh, then we have Bad Doctor. How far can you coast on charm? Pretty far, actually. Uh, Bobby versus Satan, finally. An epic showdown between Satan and a skid kid with a few chords and a wah-wah pedal. <laughs> skid it's kids. all you need. Skid kids. All right, well, our first segment today, it's the start of a new season. The birds are chirping, returning from their long sojourn south. Stop saying The sojourn. air around us is filled with the freshness of life, abundant, Hans growing, and renewing. And he wants to use it a lot now. That's a good word. A in good this word. new Sans returns from his sojourn of not using the word sojourn. Yes, yes. Well, today's episode started off with a, what I would consider a strong cold open from Scott. Yes. And it got me thinking about the way the kids use that device. I feel like there's a particular kind of style to the the Kith cold open. They're usually very short in the neighborhood of 30 seconds or so, sometimes quite a bit less even. Mm. And they act as a vehicle for just a single punchline or one single sight gag. And I don't know of any other show that did their cold opens quite in this way, this little amuse-bouche appetizer uh, for the show to come. So I thought it would be interesting for me to ask how we feel about them. Do Does this form work for us as a general, as a general form? Kalina, why don't you kick us off? You know what, I mean, I feel like this kind of caught me off guard. because I, I mean, obviously, I haven't dissected other sketch shows to the same extent. But it's definitely in contrast to something like SNL, 
where they're always super long intro sketches mm. and you're always kind of just holding out for the live from New York it's Saturday night whereas yeah. like this is just mm-hmm. a lot more I mean it's more it's more I guess subtle because you don't have that but it's also very snappy and it kind of is just a it's it's just a cold open can just be such a good hook mm-hmm. uh, and this one was quite good especially in contrast to you know especially <laughs> for Scott for his lengthy buddy episodes you know if you usually get him in like in a one one man sketch it's not mm. quick and easy <laughs> I mean maybe easy but not quick there um, it is thank um, you but, but did, 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 any, did anyone else notice that a lot of the season one cold opens were done by Mark like Lopez. I'm, Lopez. I'm sorry I'm sorry Mark but give the other kids a chance they're, they're kind of killing it so I think, far you know I think that's that, a good catch clean I hadn't noticed that at all so I'll have to keep an eye out for that in season I'm two I'm gonna here. go back to see that I think that Dave does a lot of them too though you know like his weird gunslinger things and stuff that's true yeah. that's true I think that the like the thirty second quick cold open is a like the zinger is a really good format because the commitment is low. So if the bit doesn't yeah. work, at worst it's kind of cutesy. I mean, mm-hmm. at worst it totally falls flat, which happens every once in a while. But I think I think it's it's a really good way because you can sort of just like break the ice, get into it, and be like it's a skit show. It's kind of surreal. I'm ready for something new. Um, yeah. This one was pretty cute. I like Scott Thompson's delivery on this one. I like I I think he's really charming in the way when he acts on his own. But I liked the coldest open for when they did the pilot, and they were just like, there was no real joke other than we are cute dudes, and we will do drag, and we think that <laughs> things are funny. Which one was the was the pilot? The, is that the, 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 the two girls? The one is we're calling each other at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah okay. Oh yeah, yes, that was good. Extremely short, and it was just kind of, like it's just kind of more of an emotion than like a punchline. You we know? made yeah. a very good gif of that one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Top quality. Um, so you know what. I haven't I haven't actually watched it in full and my my boyfriend showed me it a couple of times but there's there's actually a show a sketch show in the UK I think also from the 90s that's called The Fast Show and mm. all of the sketches I think are under either under a minute or under 30 seconds oh. and so it's very rapid name. fire yeah so I mean I don't <laughs> you figure that out on your own uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so quick yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think... I've watched, I think, half of an episode of that one. And, you know, I think when you're not ready for it, like, they're just not long enough. So, obviously, this kind of varied length is a lot more useful. And I think also, like, with something like SNL, it's just, like, you don't see many short sketches. They're always, like, four to five minutes long, sometimes mm. even ten minutes. And I think, like, the fact that the kids are able to sort of um, work with time lengths like this and still make... You know, obviously they have some duds, but you know, yeah. <laughs> make some real bullets in there too. You know, it shows just their their capacity, I guess. Kalina, I think that SNL call out is completely perfect because as soon as you mentioned it, I love SNL. I always think of it very warmly. But as soon as you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, there have been a lot of really lengthy, uncomfortable cold opens. Yeah, uh-huh. very much so. Trevor, what do you think about the the all kiss? Right, so first of all, this one in particular, I kind of thought of them just trying to redo their polite murderer thing, but just <laughs> like, can we make this be less than thirty seconds? Let's just try it again with a different actor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I have anything more to add to it other than that. <laughs> I I prefer when they do really dumb, weird things because sometimes those are the ones that stick in my mind. Like, do you remember the Indian drum one? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love, I love that my Indian drum. Yes. Oh my I love my drum. <laughs> drum found. <laughs> You know, that is, a, oh, that is also I, a nice Stu and Kalina, I think you guys have the right of it in the sense that the SNL cold opens, oftentimes they the length 
can can really go bad and and go sour. Like there are some, as you said, Stu, some really uncomfortably bad uh, SNL mm. cold opens. And I think I think you have it exactly right, Stu, where the the brevity of the kids in the hall cold opens means that even when they're at their worst, usually they're at least like it's a little like <laughs> you get a chuckle and then you're moving on, right? It doesn't. Yeah, and, you're and not it sitting there for two minutes song, being the, like, like annoyed. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. It's a it's a short little burst. You're kind of like oh that's. All I would right. actually argue as at worst you look at it and you're like oh you guys are so fucking weird and then you go into the theme song yeah. and you just move on like yeah. they, even when they don't land it's more just like i guess i don't appreciate how weird that is like mm-hmm. i never think it's a bad joke yeah so i thought i loved the cold opens to begin with and after talking about it with you ding dongs i somehow love them even more now so <laughs> nice. this is this is what Yay. it's all about drown me in mayonnaise <laughs> <laughs> absolutely All right, listeners, something new for season two is listener mail. We've asked you to send us your thoughts on the episode so far, and we've promised to read them out on the mail. So we're going to start that with uh, our first episode of season two with a piece of mail we got from one of our listeners, Suzanne. Suzanne writes, I love your podcast. I'm letting myself get re-obsessed with Kids in the Hall because one, 90s comedy nostalgia is in, and two, it's way better than getting obsessed with the Trump-era news cycle, Mm. which is a little too easy to do. Mm -hmm. True fact, Suzanne. I found you when Paul Myers appeared on the show, and I had just finished his book. You also have perfect timing since I was introducing my friend to Kids in the Hall for the first time, and we're watching all the episodes from start to finish. We're mid-season two now, so we're not much further ahead than the podcast episodes. We received this about midway through season one, Mm. I believe. I'm thoroughly enjoying all the banter, but my heart breaks every time you bash Dave. (laughs) Poor Dave! (laughs) Look at those innocent eyes and boyish face. What did he ever do to you? (laughs) Admittedly, Dave was my first celebrity crush, so I am overly biased, but I will happily volunteer to be on your show and be the resident Mm. Dave defender, because he can do no wrong, even when he's doing wrong. (laughs) I will be on record about the brilliance of his droll delivery, mashed up with the you are far too boyish to be saying those dark twisted jokes, Mr. Face. Mm. (laughs) ever want a guest on that isn't a celebrity author or a kid himself pick me pick me pick me Mm. and that was again from suzanne well thank you suzanne for your letter no spoilers but i think uh some folks may have a change of heart with regards to dave over the course of this season peak for this episode for people i think that uh dave starts to come into his own and uh maybe we start to judge him not on the basis of the fact that he eventually left to go to the united states and star on a a middling sitcom but more on his (laughs) abilities in kids in the hall this season rather than our spite season of dave (laughs) (laughs) i I will say this too i think you should all listeners at home take bets on uh on which of us four kids you think has the most drastic turnaround when it comes Mm. to dave um, place your bets now. Hey, let us know what you think at our Twitter handle at Kith and Telpod. If you would, you had been listening up to this point. Who do you think of us is is the most anti Dave at this point? Mm. See, and also we'd like to note that uh, if you troll back <laughs> through some of our tweet and replies, it almost looks like we're in a beef with Dave Foley now on Twitter. So enjoy that too. <laughs> We're not in a beef with Dave Foley. We just encouraged him to listen, and then but we kind of admitted that we were mean to him, and then he said we were wrong about stuff, and then we sent him a sarcastic gift. It's fine. It's, it's not a beef. It's, it's like we're in a chicken. We keep on being used, but Hans is completely in control of our Twitter. I mean, I know it is yeah. a we in effect, but... 
Yeah, no, I, I rule Twitter yeah. with a with a with an iron grip. I'm so. not allowed to be on social media since the incident. <laughs> yeah, and you guys should be thankful for that because Stu would be a much more <laughs> wild card Twitter persona yeah. than I. I am, only so. use it to harass people. I, I'm online. actually in favor of us <laughs> yeah. starting beefs with like other '90s uh, comedy podcasts. <laughs> oh, let's yeah. find let's find Sinbad. Stu would be tweeting at the band a whole like you should never have existed. <laughs> Uh, like this is very off brand for us, but okay. Yeah. I would also say that we obviously entered into season one with tons of preconceived notions, not having watched it from beginning to end with such analysis. Mm, and I feel like we all kind of, you know, while we shit on him a lot, we do love Dave. Don't worry. <laughs> it was a journey. Yeah. On that note, I will say thank you, Suzanne, for your email. Yay! And uh, please, all of our other listeners, feel free to send us your thoughts. Uh, we love hearing from you, and uh, we're hoping to read more of your notes on, on and the show. And where would they so, email us, Hans? They would email us, good points do, at, by emailing contact at kithintel.ca. So moving right along. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, well, this episode also has what I think is probably a famous sketch amongst Kids in the Hall fans, which is the guitar battle between Bobby and the Devil. Oh, yes. And having seen a fair bit of Bobby in season one, what struck me about this sketch, rewatching it again now, is just how much of a loser Bobby is. <laughs> you know, the Devil comes to challenge him to a rock battle, starts just absolutely shredding, and meanwhile, Bobby's just tuning his guitar poorly, and when he does finally start playing, it's just the three most basic power cards played badly, and yet somehow Bobby wins, and all it took was a wah-wah pedal. Uh, so I feel like a lot of the kids in the hall sketches play on this similar kind of idea of taking this total loser and letting them win somehow despite themselves. And I wonder if this is just a funny device or are they kind of pointing at a deeper sort of sympathy towards the skids and losers of the worlds? And, and is that maybe in part what we're identifying with? Uh, so Stu, you're the biggest, uh, skid kid in the room. Why don't you start us off? <laughs> you really had to stop Damn yourself right. from saying loser. <laughs> Stu, you're a real piece of shit. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, I get that. Stuart, use your expertise. Yeah. <laughs> tell us, Stuart. Tell us what it's like to be unaccomplished. Hans, take out I'm the com- garbage, Stu. You play three power cards. Let's move on. I'm gonna do it. First of all, his name is Bobbert Terrence, and he is a critical link in the unified Bruce theory. True. I am insulted that you're treating him with such malice. Um. To be honest with you, I think that's a great essay question for whatever you're trying to suck up to. <laughs> but I see this way more through the lens of self-deprecation. Like, yeah. a lot of their tropes are like this. You see them with a lot of Dave ones where Dave will be like, I'm just a nice guy. Aren't I a fucking idiot? Like, And Bruce kind of does it too. I think Bruce is being self-deprecating because he tends to be. And we know some things about Bruce. Like, he's the connection to Shadowy Man on a Shadowy Planet. He plays guitar. He, like, he does the Terrier song. He does the Dave song. Like, he tr- obviously has yeah. some musical inclinations. And so I see this as being like, you know what's both like taking down people who are not him, like, man, you know what sucks when people are bad at guitar? And probably being kind of self-effacing for like, yeah, I rock pretty hard. I know like three chords and stuff. <laughs> and the thing that really tipped me off for that was the, uh, the like actually this the presence of the wah pedal to me seems like such a deep cut guitar guy thing because mm. I well, 100% bought wah pedal before I needed to. And I look back <laughs> yeah. and I was just like, yes. yeah, I, I could like 
I barely knew scales and stuff. I'd be like, you know, I've transcended the limits of my sound shapes. I need to make some weird, 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 weird noises. <laughs> Wait, so are, are wah piddles useless? Oh, they're not sound. useless. They just make it make they're, another they're, sound. They're, they're, they're like dope, but they're like 200 bucks for a good one. And they make that like, uh, you know, the, the big one is, you know, Hendrix Voodoo Child that like, Wow, 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 wow. It makes a it makes a wah wah sound. <laughs> they're but definitely like, yeah. Stu's, Stu's correct. They're definitely the first thing that a budding guitarist buys when they think they're getting good at guitar, and they mm-hmm. always buy them several years before they are, you know, worthwhile to use in any way. Like yep. they have you you have so many more fundamental skills to learn before you buy a wah wah pedal, but that's a universal truth among guitarists, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I gotta go out and buy a wah now. <laughs> that's what makes you good. <laughs> I mean, it's good enough to beat the devil, so. Yeah. But Trevor, what do you well, think about my my treatise, my theory about uh, the kids having sympathy for the losers and skids? I don't know if it's sympathy. Like, I, I feel like what they do is they take classic stories and they take the heroes and make the heroes losers. <laughs> and the joke is on heroes. Like, really, what they're doing is they're taking heroes and being like, fuck heroes. But that's, but that's not, what I'm saying yeah. about the Bruce thing where he's like, man, doesn't it suck that I have dreams? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I definitely love that part where it's like, I was playing with sound shapes. <laughs> just like playing the same chord over and over again. Yeah, there's something just really, I mean, I think you guys have made all the points yeah. I would have made anyway, but, um, you know, so, so it's, I'm, I'm totally on board. I think that the funny thing is that they come across as so self-aware, which is what makes something like this really appealing. Like you can... You can really make a like a loser sort of narrative on in any sketch, but like they just are fully aware that both they're kind of elevating the underdog, slapping them down with the other hand, mm. and then just having a chuckle in the corner. They're know? they're like a cat playing with a dead mouse. They're like, <laughs> they're like you're alive, you're dead, you're alive, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, Came for my amusement. As long as you always take the businessman down, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> as, as a quick aside, I love the way that Bobby says rack. It always gets me like, I'm too cool to rock. (laughs) Speaking of uh, Bobby saying, too cool to rock. uh, (laughs) We're back with a new season and the kids are still saying the darndest fucking things. So what are all of our favorite lines from this episode? Oh, you know, actually my favorite is from the (laughs) Bad Doctor sketch, which I think is actually my favorite sketch here as well. Mm. It has this kind of like line where he's like, you know what this is? Urine. Another (laughs) man's urine. I ask for it and they give it to me. I don't know what to do with it. I've got a fridge full of the stuff. I mean, I suppose I could send it out to the lab, but they'd only send me back a lot of test results that I couldn't possibly understand. <laughs> Dave kind of is on the upswing. That really season. was a phenomenal yeah. Dave sketch. I got a hand oh, it to that him. Is, he good. looks so happy to have urine. <laughs> <laughs> Kalina, what about you? So, so mine is less aligned than the grunt from Mark when he's playing the devil against Bobby, where he's just like, Nick, nah, nerf. <laughs> and it's just so distinct. And the one thing that always comes to mind when I watch that sketch, because like no one else makes that sound. Like, where did that even come from? I've been looking at Kalina's lines that she wrote up for this episode, and Nick, knack, nerf has been in, right in my face the whole time. And I've been like borderline losing my shit. <laughs> Well, you can't use that line, Stu, so what's yours? 
Oh, it's got to be Bim Bam Baby because it's a shim yeah. shim rim ram, and it goes on so long. One of the rare times someone's favorite line isn't delivered by one of the kids. Yeah, yeah. we found out just moments ago that it was because actually I told Mr. you because I informed you. You'll yes, get Hans, your you're the smart boy. You did all of your homework. I did you research. Did you're the best boy. You're the best boy. Can I tell the class? Do you can like I tell the, the listeners back, back in their chairs listening to us need to know we've been like bickering all day about <laughs> yeah. the pettiest bullshit? <laughs> this feels like the most kids in the hall thing to me. Is we're all just reduced to shitting on Hans but appreciating the things he brings to the we, table. We love you, Hans. <laughs> Thank you. I do love Hans. Tell them the story, um, those two. Oh, that that was a Frank Sinatra recording, mm-hmm. and we that was actually to. Frank Sinatra because I heard it. And I was like, "Which one of the little shitheads is doing that? It's terrible. It's really bad." <laughs> well, and the thing I love is that could be a dank meme in 2018. Just footage of an old man walking down the street being like, "A shim sham, a doodle doopa, <laughs> rim ram." We were watching this episode with friend of the podcast Ricardo Bordalone, and he Hi, was Mickey. like, "Oh my god, this is so ahead of its time. This would be so <laughs> popular on the internet now." It will uh, be yeah. soon after this it podcast. Oh. Um, and if we have to do a quote, because it can't be a song, uh, <laughs> this is so bad, but in the friendly couple skit, when he's uh, penetrating the other man's <laughs> wife, he turns to him and goes, hey, pal, you're next. I want you inside me. And just the one, two of that got me so uh, bad. But the following quote from Dave is hilarious. He's like, sorry, no can do. And the joke is obviously that he's impotent. <laughs> he's, and he's that. gesturing to his impotent dick at that very moment. Yes. yes. It's the uh, nonchalant Dave way he says it too. In such yeah. joyful way. <laughs> That's a good sketch. Yeah. You guys both stomped on my uh, on my favorite line. Oh, I was definitely going to go with the, your next pal, I want you and me, as well as the Dave follow-up. But, uh, you know, I'm lucky because I did have a, uh, a follow-up line, which is also from Bad Doctor, uh, <laughs> where Dave says, I didn't worry about it. I mean, how far can you coast on charm? Well, pretty far, actually. <laughs> this was a strong Dave episode. Well, and it was, it was the kind of line that could only be delivered by Dave when he's at his schlocky best. And in this yeah. in this particular instance, I thought it was really expertly done. But that's what I'm saying is we're hitting the renaissance of Dave. He's starting to do these like semi-ironic, yeah. but there's like a lot more genuine delight in him in this season, yeah. it looks like. And it's, yeah, I, I think it's landing real good. I re-listened to our very first episode of the podcast recently, and uh, we talked about how we thought we might end up loving Dave eventually, and it seems oh. like that time is oh. now. So Dave, if you're Press out there it. listening, we're we're back, we're falling back in love with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so before we go, let's, uh, let's all choose our standout sketch with a rating out of five buried bodies, shall we? Um, no. This week, I'm giving it to the friendly couples. Uh, so many great lines in that sketch, including the, the throwaway joke, which we haven't talked about, uh, that Dave's character was just in a coma for several years. Like, for a year and a half. For a year and a half. <laughs> like, like they, just, they just threw that in there for no reason. Um, anyways, I, I, there were so many things in that sketch. I, I still can't believe they had Scott plowing Kevin on a dining room table in 19, <laughs> in 1990. Is that the first time where they end up sort of having him... Like touching one of the other members of the crew and just making 
everyone just have such a rip-roaring laugh about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. The, the look that Scott and Kevin give to uh, Mark when he says they threw out the lamp, and they're, like, in the middle of the throes of passion, and they look over with, like, shock and horror. Just that look uh, <laughs> yeah. was was my favorite part yeah. of that sketch in some ways. Kevin years. immediately, like, hikes his dress down, kind of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, well, that the ruined the moment has mood. passed. <laughs> Kalina, what about you? So my my favorite sketch from this episode is obviously Bobby versus the Devil. Is it's it? just super relatable <laughs> as a <laughs> uh, a Canadian from you know a small small town interior BC, but I'm sure it's uh, pretty relatable across the country. You got plaid, you got jean jackets, you got wah wah pedals, and obviously you're battling the devil. Just a, a normal normal day. Normal Canadian, it's like Canadian day. Canadian yeah. need to rack <laughs> to rack <laughs> to rack. Stu, how about you? No, you're wrong. It's clearly friendly couples. Yeah. Friendly couples is the standout. It's got the best lines. It's got the best reaction shots. Watching it, I wondered if maybe they did a little improv in there because it seems like Dave breaks legitimately during some of the reactions, mm-hmm. including "Hey, oh, pal, yeah. you're next." <laughs> like I think they have a couple of punchlines, but they kind of push the envelope a little bit because it looks like when he looks over his shoulders, he's hiding his face that he he's breaking. That and could I, very well be. Kinda was delighted by that. I'm gonna give that four Kalina takes out of five. <laughs> <laughs> that won't make any sense when this is yeah, it. I don't hard. care. You know, I'm gonna give it to Bad Doctor, and I think it gets oh. four out of five samples of urine <laughs> because this is the start of my rekindling of my romance with Dave, and all as good as he was in the friendly couples i actually thought that the bad doctor was like just consistently funny the entire way you know yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not as good as act smarter but it's still good it was a it was a real solid sketch all right well that does it for our season two episode one review join us next week for our review of season two episode two which will be hosted by trevor thanks for listening to kith and tell Good bim bam bye and a so see slong and a ding dang dill and ding dong dang and a rim ramble. Bye. Take a mip map mop and a brim bram broom and clim clam clean up the rim ram room cause your bim bam baby's coming home tonight. Get my slim slam slippers and my easy chair, run your flim flam fingers through my greasy hair, then kiss me baby, let me hold you tight. Been north and south and east and west, but even a honeybee needs some rest When I get my jacket and my trousers pressed I follow the swallow right back to my nest Don't you whim-wham worry if my train is late Gonna shim-sham shuttle on a frim-fram freight Cause your bim-bam baby's coming home tonight